Tonight here at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to continue going through the books of the Bible, and tonight's message is on 2 John. Uh, this is a letter that was written to the chosen lady and her family, you know, by John, the, the disciple that Jesus loved. You know, evidently this is a woman and her family that was involved in one of the churches that John is overseeing in the, in the area of Ephesus. You know, it's very likely that she may have had a house church in her house. Um, it seems that John had a strong friendship with her, you know, that, that, or John was discipling her on some level or overseeing her house church. We're not 100% sure. This letter is, is just a, you know, a short, you know, couple chapters, you know, you know, a couple paragraphs of a letter. So it's, you know, there's not a lot that we get to know. You know, obviously we we don't have her name, so it's it's really hard to to figure out who it is. Um, in this sense, you know, but it, we see that if, if John was writing a a letter specifically to this chosen lady, you know, that it it wasn't. It, it's not believed that this letter was passed on to other people. This was a specific letter written to one person, and we can see that. You know, once again, John is addressing the and warning about false teachers who are coming in the area. Because a lot of times, as pastors or teachers or different, you know, men or, or women of God would be traveling, that they would invite them into their house and and be very hospitable to them. You know, and John is warning against this. You know, to be, you know, and he's being, you know, very prevalent in some of these, you know, these churches that these false teachers are constantly touring and using them to, to gain money and to influence them and to pull their own people out of those churches to get their own followers, to get their own income base, take advantage of some of these ladies, you know, in, in many different ways. You know, you know, many, you know, believe that a group of them have broken off and kind of started their own movement, you know, that they were, you know, not believing that Jesus was the Messiah. They weren't believing that Jesus was the Son of God. That they weren't believing that Jesus was divine. You know, so that they were starting to propagate a different gospel or a different message about Jesus. You know, and they were trying to mix in some of the other religion or religious views of the day and, and tie them to Jesus. You know, we see that still, you know, prevalent in, you know, the world today. You know, and how this begins to influence people, you know, as a whole, you know, and it influences churches, you know. Instead, he's he's trying to get her or people to, you know, stay with John and stay with the original group, stay with the original church, you know, and um, he's emphasizing, you know, the basics and sense following Christ in truth and in love. You know, and warning against these false teachers who were trying to lead people astray. You know, and it, it seems, you know, it seems like it would be like a no-brainer. But, you know, I, I've had to deal with some of this, you know, in my time as a leader, in my time leading this group. You know, there's been individuals that come along who are extremely charismatic. You know, and it's, they always, you know, it's Jesus and something else. Or it's, yeah, but, you know, come over here, it's different. Or, you know, it's, you know, we really need, you know, to be super filled with the Holy Spirit. 
you know, that there's, there's always something else that they're trying to, you know, add, you know, to what we are, are basically saying is the, you know, fundamentals or the found, foundation to our faith. And a lot of times what they're saying isn't 100% wrong, you know, and that's why deception is so powerful is that it's partially truth. You know, if I was to come in, you know, and tell you that the ceiling's blue, you'd be like, no, it's not, Tom. You know, it's white. But, you know, if I come in and say, well, it's an eggshell, you're like, well, okay, maybe. You know, like it's partially true or it's just off just a little bit that it's easy to take that next step. You know, and then once they get you to take that step, it's another, you know, it's another step. So it's not, you know, as simple as, you know, it's clear cut. You know, a lot of times it's, it's difficult because what they're saying sounds right. You know, the prosperity gospel that gets thrown around. You know, everybody wants to, to be blessed. You know, and that if God could bless me, why not take this opportunity and I'll sow this seed of a thousand dollars into some person's ministry on TV and God's going to help me win the lottery. Like it, it attacks the very foundation of things that we desire. We desire more God. We desire financial blessing. We desire relationship. We desire something. And it comes into that area and tries to get us to take a step and not trust Jesus. You know, and it's so hard sometimes, you know, because, you know, as I've, you know, been dealing with this and have dealt with this, you know, and there's times that I don't believe that they think they're deceived. Like they're not trying to deceive other ones because they feel decept or, you know, being deceived themselves. They're trying to lead you into what they think is truth. You know, so they're all about it. You know, and they're very charismatic and very influential. You know, and it, it's very important that we recognize, you know, these warnings. Because, you know, you read about some of these warnings in the epistles. You know, Paul's writing about it. Peter's writing about it. John's writing about it. You know, and the same stuff is happening today. You know, and it's it's interesting that we're, you know, coming to this place in in our journey as we're going through, you know, the books of the Bible. Last week we're talking about First John. You know, the church is in that First John as a series. You know, what's the chances that we started this over a year ago? You know, here we are talking about Second John and First John. You know that, you know, in this warning about false teachers. You know, and literally within the last month, I've had to deal with this type of a situation and two different spectrums. Two different groups of people, two different spectrums of this in totally two different ways. You know, it's it's Jesus, but it's different. And it's like, eh, no, it's not. You know, like, you know, well, it's this or it's that. And it's like, and you're trying to deal with it, you know, in the most loving way possible. Because, you know, we're trying to come back to what the foundation of our faith is which is a relationship with Jesus Christ, but how do we get there is the Word of God. You know, the Word of God has been preserved through the years, you know, so that we have something that hasn't changed. And the world tries to attack it, like, oh, man wrote it, it's been changed, the Catholic Church has done this or that, you know, and it's like, no, honestly, 
you know, if it wasn't for the Catholic Church, we wouldn't have a Bible. Like, if the, the Catholic Church didn't stand up and take defense, you know, in Europe and defend Spain, that the Muslims would have overtaken Europe and the church may have been destroyed. You know, obviously Jesus can't be destroyed, so there would have been a, you know, a different plan and we would have different history. But through the years, the Bible has been the Bible. You know, and, you know, it hasn't changed. You know, everybody's, oh, there's all these different translations and this and that. But if you go back to the original manuscripts, you know, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, you know, that there's a group, a council of people that have studied those. You know, they're not all Christians, you know, just so that there is, you know, a bias. You know, and each Bible that each one of us has in our home, even if it's different, it can get taken back to the original text because that's the foundation of what we believe, that the Word of God has been given to us by God. It's the inherent, it's perfect, you know, it has not changed, that God used over 40 different authors, you know, to write these 66 books that we have canonized, which basically says that this is the beginning and this is the end and it will never change. You know, and, you know, and it's interesting as you study out some of this stuff, you know, that each one of those is considered a dead language. And what I mean by that is at some point, those civilizations got conquered by someone else and made everyone change what they were speaking. And those languages stayed preserved so that the, the language didn't evolve. And a perfect example of that is if language didn't evolve, we would very, very much be talking the very similar to the way the English speak. You know, or if you read King James, we'd all be these and thous and thuses, everything, and you know, and that's the way we would still speak. But since language has evolved, you know, English has evolved, you know, you can take a King James Version or a New Living Translation or NIV or, or whatever you're reading, and it, it's different. But when you go into these dead languages, that they've been preserved because God came in and said, this is exactly what it is. So when they go back and they study it, this is what this word means, and it's exactly the same as it would have been thousands of years ago. You know, and this is the foundation of what we believe. You know, and John is is telling her and telling us to stay to the basics. You know, don't get out of bounds. Don't follow these false believers. You know, I also believe that these are warnings that we should know our Bible. It's very important that we we spend time in our word, you know, and trust me, I get it. It's hard sometimes. I wasn't much of a reader. You know, I don't typically enjoy reading. Like, I don't sit down on a Sunday afternoon and be like, I'm going to read a good book. Like, that's never been a thought in the entirety of my life. Some of you are like, I can't wait to get my next good book. And you're from a different planet as far as I'm concerned. You know, some of us in here, reading is, is difficult, you know. And, but I have found more than any other thing that reading the Bible has begun to heal my mind and begin to heal the way that I think, begin to heal my life. And, you know, I love the way that Pastor Mike puts it, and I know that's not his words, but, you know, that you can read the Bible and not know God, but you cannot know God if you don't read the Bible. You know, and it's so important because it, it gives us the foundations. It gives us 
who Jesus really is. You know, and, you know, I try to do the best job that I do, and, and, you know, I know most pastors try to do the best job that they're trying to do, and, you know, but we're all just men and, and women that are trying to teach, you know, you know, the word to the best of our ability and our opinions and, you know, our backgrounds, our experiences get thrown in there. And, you know, there's so much more. Somebody could teach this way better than I could teach it because they, they've studied it. You know, there's professors that know this back and forth. They probably have the whole thing memorized, you know, but maybe they don't know Jesus at all. Like we don't, you know, so it, it's important that we study it and read it for ourselves, you know, so that when something gets said and we're like, I don't know, I don't know, something, something about that doesn't fit right with me. It doesn't fit. Something's off. You know, I can go back into the Word and say, nope, nope, they're right. I just was thinking about it wrong. Or, nope, that's something still not right. You know, and, and I go talk to that person and say, can you explain this to me because I don't understand it. And I've had many of those conversations with Pastor Mike and Pastor Rick and Pastor Mark and different people through the years. Like, what does this mean? You know, you know, why does this say this here and this say this over there? You know, people say that the Bible doesn't contradict, uh, contradict itself, but this and this seem like contradicting statements. But as you get into it, you know, and you learn about it, you're like, oh, I didn't know that. Or, oh, I didn't see it that way. You know, and it helps us to continue to grow and to change, you know, and to stay, you know, plugged into what we believe is, you know, extremely important is a relationship with Jesus, and we find that through the Word of God. You know, and our prayers and worship and service, and there's various different things. But people do get led astray, and I don't think that they're always meaning to be led astray because they're just trying to, to find a, a better way or an easier way. But it's important that we we realize that sometimes Jesus likes us to, to wait you know, and he likes us to sit still, and he likes us to be patient, and he likes us to work on discipline. And everyone said, Amen. And it's like, no, I don't like this. Like, you know, I prayed it already. I should have breakthrough. You know, I prayed it in Jesus' name. He gives me the desires of my heart. And, you know, shabba ding-dong, you know, abracadabra, give me what I want in Jesus' name. You know, like, you know, trust me, I've struggled with this through the years. And, like, I've prayed this same prayer for years. Why is this not happening? You know, and it's like, Sometimes God's will is not our will. Most of the time, God's will is not our will. You know, and we have to align ourselves with His will, you know, realizing that He's got something great in store. And it may not look the way we think it should look. You know, and we may disagree with Him. Be like, um, excuse me, sir, you, you've gotten this part of my life wrong. You know, can we rewind it, please, and try again? You're God. I know there, you know, to my knowledge, there is no rewinding or going back in time as of yet, but this would be a perfect time to do that because you've really made a mistake, sir. But in reality, that's not a thing. You know, we, we try to turn these things over and lay them down at his feet and say, I don't like this at all right now, but I'm going to trust you to the best of my ability and excuse me for my temper tantrum in 13 seconds. You know, like, you know, and but the more that we get plugged into the Word of God, and the more that we, you know, trust in Him, the more that we know our Bibles, we begin to recognize certain warnings. We begin to recognize how our emotions are leading astray. You know, we recognize how 
you know, we can get out of bounds pretty quickly if we're doing what we want. Are we doing what we think? Are we doing what we feel? You know, that it's important that we align ourselves to the best of our ability to the Word of God through a relationship with Jesus. You know, and through that, you know, things begin to be established. You know, that, you know, there is really no other way to do it. You know, I think that being plugged into a good local church is important as well. But if I come and I just sit here, you know, and I, you know, listen to me, you know, week in and week out, but I'm not praying and I'm not reading, I guarantee that things aren't going to go real well for you. You know, there's all these other components that you have to have in place. You know, I come here and I'm not plugged in. I'm not doing, you know, what is suggested. I'm not building relationships with the other people. You know, it makes it real easy for me to to run away. It makes me, you know, makes it real easy for me to, to do what I want to do. You know, in the last that I've checked, Tom's will ends up in complete destruction 100% of the time. Anytime that I take my will back and begin to do what I think is best, most likely it's going to get ugly real soon. You know, and I can try to, you know, fake it till I make it, and I can try to throw as much Jesus on it as I want, and I can try to make it sound real spiritual, and I can try to take, you know, verses out of context to make it sound like I'm doing what I want, and I heard from God, and, you know, I believe that God told me this, and but eventually if it's my will, I'm going to run into a wall and I'm going to run into it hard. You know, and it's so important that we recognize, you know, these types of warnings that the wrong person can lead us astray. The wrong emotion, the wrong thinking can lead us astray. You know, so it's important that we're, you know, allowing, you know, the Bible and and teachers to, to lead us into truth so that heresy, false teaching is what that means, you know, doesn't, you know, trick us or you know, feed into our emotions, feed into our desires, and and, and get us to, to wander outside of what Scripture would say. You know, you know, as a, as a pastor, it's my job to teach the Word of God to the best of my ability, you know, and to protest against anyone who would come in and bring division to this group or, you know, to people in my house or to people that I know. You know, it's my job as a shepherd to say, hey, you know, I, I disagree with that, you know, and, you know, sometimes, you know, that, you know, we get a bad, you know, a, a bad reputation because, you know, a shepherd, you know, even just using David, you know, as a shepherd, you know, that he looked over the sheep, he had to kill, you know, a lion and a bear. You know, one of the things biblically that we, we see is wolves. You know, false teachers, you know, a wolf in sheep's clothing. You know, there's all these different terminologies, you know, that sometimes, you know, thy rod and thy staff strengthens thee. You know, like sometimes you have to speak hard truths to people, you know, and no one likes that stuff. You know, the last time that any of us got a hard truth, we weren't like, whoo, praise God. Like, you know, usually our first reaction is defensive and we get angry and then we try to character assassinate the person that's telling us the truth. You know, and later on, if we don't know Jesus and we let that emotion, you know, run, then we just character assassinate that person a little bit more and then I don't have to listen to that person because they're completely wrong and, 
you know, no, I don't need to come here anymore. And you know what, that church, and you know, and then who knows where we end up. Well, I believe in God. You know, it's like, once again, you know, the, the Jesus-only people are some of the strangest and most broken and, and critical and judgmental people that I've ever met. You know, because it's just them and Jesus and what they want to do. You know, and it doesn't mean they're not reading their word, but it seems how, you know, they skip certain parts of it, you know, that might you know, convict them or might, you know, challenge them, you know, that Thomas Jefferson, you know, went through the Bible and he basically cut out any scripture he didn't like, you know, and a lot of it had to do with miracles and signs and wonders and, and the, you know, and the supernatural side of Jesus, you know, but that's part of our faith. You you can't take away, you know, the resurrection you know, you can't take away what Jesus did. You know, otherwise, why would we believe in Jesus? You know, there's some good wisdom in there, but, you know, you can find good wisdom anywhere. You know, you know, in many different teachings, many different religions have good wisdom. But what makes it different is that Jesus is still alive. You know, his resurrection changes everything. You know, so, you know, as a teacher, it's important that I, you know, have to stand up for truth. <laughs> You know, and it doesn't always make it easy, you know. But, you know, as we, we grow and change, we want people to tell us the truth. You know, me personally, when I'm listening to a pastor or I'm listening to a preacher, if they're not challenging me, I get real bored and I don't want to listen to them. You know, if I'm, you know, listening to something and I'm like, yep, got that, yep, did that, yep, figured that out, yep, 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 oh, praise God, you know, like, I'm amazing today, like, I am super Christian, like, that's not the type of preacher I want to listen to, I want to listen to somebody that helps me to realize I got work to do, you know, I don't have it all figured out, yet, you know, loving, you know, that we're not going to be perfect, and we need Jesus, but yet, you know, there's some things that we need to be working on, you know, that... You know, and this is the the challenge between truth and love. You know, that we we love to hear truth, but unless it, it convicts us, unless it challenges us, and then we don't love it so much. You know, but you know, we see truth and love frequently discussed, you know, in many different you know forums in our world, but we see it seldom practiced. You know, that you know, we hear from the pulpit, we hear from the politician, we hear from the retail person, you know, you know, things that are twisted to their own, you know, purposes, you know, so we see truth, but we see it twisted, you know, you know, the new phone that comes out is the best ever, you know, and then you buy it, and it's just the same phone, and just shinier, you know, new car, it gets better gas mileage, and then you drive it for, you know, and then it's the same gas mileage as the last car. You know, new tires, new this, new that. You know, I need a new one. You know, and you know what? It's the same thing. It just looks different. You know, and each politician that comes through, you know, I don't follow it much, but it seems like they're always saying the same stuff. You know, and very rarely do they ever do what they say they're going to do. You know, and you know, and, and yet we have this big war in our country, you know, left and right, and, you know, and, and this and that, you know, and it's like, you know, it's getting more and more out of hand. And, you know, if you speak truth to me and then now I need a safe place. And, you know, it's like I don't get some of this stuff. Like 
when we grew up as kids, like this stuff wasn't, you know, you didn't get a safe place. You got your butt whipped and you went back to class. You know, like that's how it went. You know what I mean? You know, and it's just, you know, that was life back then. But now it's like we cater to everybody's emotions and feelings and everybody can just do what they want. And we wonder why this country is getting crazier and crazier is because we're loving on some levels, but we're not speaking truth and we're not upholding truth. You know, so it's important that we have both of these things in place. Otherwise, things get out of bounds because if you speak too much hard truth, then, you know, it becomes judgment or critical. You know, if you're too loving, then you get out of bounds and, you know, and too graceful and, and, and you know, and there's too many things that get to, you know, run and gun in the wrong directions. You know, so it's important that we are, you know, figuring out what it is that we believe. And to me, it's important that we have the foundation of Scripture. You know, but Scripture has a lot to say about money and sex. You know, and, you know, it, it, you know, it convicts us when we read it. You know, or it convicts me when I read it. I can't tell you what you get convicted by. But, you know, if you're reading the same Bible I am, most likely, you know, your emotions and your desires don't match up with Scripture very easily. You know, it, it challenges us, you know. You know, so when someone speaks truth, biblical truth about money or sex, someone gets upset. I mean, it's guaranteed. You know, and that's why those things don't get discussed very much. You know, and I think that, you know, Pastor Mike and other pastors, you know, take these stands and they talk about what biblical money looks like and what biblical sex looks like. You know, and there's people that come to church looking for a feel-good message and they don't like what they hear sometimes. You know, and they get up and they leave and, you know, that's okay because they want love but not truth. You know, and but it's important that we see the combination of what, you know, John's trying to speak here is that he's trying to speak to this woman in love, but he's also trying to bring truth to to, to guard her and to guide her. You know, that, you know, we, we don't see, you know, the biblical aspects of love. You know, that we don't see the biblical aspects of, of truth. You know, we see these words talked about, you know, but we don't see integrity and credibility, humility, selflessness, you know, agape love, you know, that Jesus lived in, in a way that he sacrificed himself for all of us. You know, so what's our goal? You know, and we have to, to really look at, you know, what is the goal? You know, is the goal to be a believer? Check the box. I get into heaven. You know, I get through the pearly gates. You know, me and Peter, we're going <laughs> to clap hands when I get there, and we're going to do a little dance as I get to cross in. I don't see that scripturally. You know, I think that it's important that we we realize that the only way that I get into heaven is realizing I am a despicable wretch. I do not deserve it. There is no amounts of my life that says, Tom, you have been a good boy. We'll let you go to heaven today. No. I am a horrible sinner. And if it's not for the blood of Jesus, that payment for my sins, that I don't get to go. You know, and see, that, that changes things. You know, so many of us are like, why are you going to heaven? Well, I've been a good person. Well, there's going to be a lot of good people in hell. You know, and there's going to be a lot of wretched sinners in heaven because they've accepted what Jesus has done. You know, and this is a hard thing for us to, to recognize, 
But this is what the truth is. And this is truth in love that it says that we need to repent and accept Jesus. You know, not only just to get into heaven, but to have a relationship with our creator, to have a relationship with Jesus. You know, so if the goal is just getting through life as easy as possible and anybody that speaks love and I just dis- or anyone that speaks truth and I just distance myself from them and anyone that's really loving, I just, you know, I love them too. You know, that we're going to have a hard time in the rest of the areas of our lives. You know, you know, that we can keep, you know, trying to do it our way, you know, you know, keep pursuing what we desire, keep chasing that American dream, you know, get rich or die trying, right? You know, or, you know, what's the heart issue? You know, and what, what needs to be brought to Jesus? You know, what area of my flesh needs to be surrendered? You know, what area of my life needs to be brought to Jesus in such a way that I, I say, you know what, I'm going to do it your way now. Because every time I try to do it my way, and I don't like what I hear, I fall back on my old coping mechanisms to to satisfy myself for just a minute. You know, Jesus, I need a day off. You know, it's been really tough lately. You know, you'll understand. You'll give me grace. Or we push through those times and moments and say, I really hate this right now. I'm not really enjoying life at all right now. But I trust in you enough that you're going to get me through this and there's something greater coming. Not just in heaven, but in this life as well. You know, and if we don't have that type of mindset that Jesus is going to use the situations that we're going through right now that may completely suck. You know, it, we might be going through the hardest time of our life right now. But Jesus is going to use it. How is he going to use it? I have no idea. If you told me as a six-year-old kid that me getting molested, that someday I would stand in front of a group of people saying that God's glory is amazing because he set me free. Like, what? You can't explain that to a kid. You can't explain that the worst part of my life, from six to nine, being molested by a man, would someday bring glory to God. It doesn't make any sense. You know, I'm a crackhead. Praise God. No, like he's using that time of my life to help other people see that there can be freedom in Christ. You know, and each one of us has these types of stories. You know, are our stories exact? No, but there's a lot of similarities to the, to the men and women in this group, in this church, you know, in, in other rooms, other places that we find experience, strength, and hope, and, and we see that, that God is delivering other people in other ways. It says, you know what? He got it. She got it. You know, I remember very clearly sitting across, you know, from Pastor Judy and seeing her countenance and seeing the way she carried herself and, and the joy and the peace that she had and listening to her story. And I'm like, if God can set this woman free, he could do it for me too. And that helped me take a step in starting to trust God. You know, but... You know, I have to, you know, really begin to trust him and, and release control of my life. You know, and it's hard sometimes to lay these things down. You know, it's hard to trust Jesus when things aren't going right. You know, can we lay down our lives? 
you know, each one of us has to make that decision. I can't make the decision for you. You can't make the decision for me. You know, each one of us is going to push through the way we want to push through or we're going to, you know, surrender the way we're going to surrender because we're finally tired. You know, and if you've ever tried to get somebody to do something you want them to, you get real frustrated before they do. You know, and we have to realize that our best weapon is prayer, but people are going to do what people do. You know, do we trust our words? Do we trust our will, you know, our own will to get things accomplished? Or do we trust his word? And do we trust his will to get things accomplished? Do we follow Jesus in all these areas? You know, it's so important that we are allowing truth to begin to, you know, teach us how to walk and speak and, and, and go through this life, but with love. But for most of us, when someone speaks truth at us, our ego gets real defensive, doesn't it? You know, how dare you, and I character assassinate you, and I tear you down, and you did this, and you did that, and you're not this, and you didn't do that, and you're not holy, and you didn't, you know, it's like I demean the person so then I don't have to listen to them. But if I deflate myself, if I humble myself and say, you know, is there is there truth in what they're saying to me? And I take that to Jesus, and I allow the Holy Spirit to let that seed get planted in me, or I disregard it. Not every time that someone speaks truth at you, it's something that you're supposed to receive. I'll just be honest. You know, I'm a man. I may be a pastor, but I'm still a man. And I'll get it wrong. I promise you. I'm human. And there's times that I'm going to say, I think you should do this. And you're like, nope, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to say, okay. And we're going to figure it out together. You know, and you can get real mad at me because I don't think that you're doing the right thing. And you can... Separate yourself from me, or you can say, all right, he said he's sorry, or he says he doesn't know, and we're going to try to figure it out together. You know, and a lot of times people just run away because Tom doesn't agree with what I want to do. Okay. I can't stop you from running away. But what I can do is say, you know, if this is a God thing, it'll work out. I can be completely 100% wrong, and God can still do cool stuff. Why? He has that right. You know, and I've learned through the years that I don't know everything. I, there's actually very little that I know. You know, I have a testimony. You know, and I've read through the Bible several times. You know, I have a very small understanding of this stuff. You know, but what I, I continue to learn is that, you know, a lot of times we're going to do what we want to do. You know, and it's important that we love people but yet continue to speak truth. You know, but what is it about love? You know, this word fills us. You know, we see it in Hallmark movies and songs and TV shows and, you know, and we, you know, we all love that good love story, right? You know, and they, what, what do they do? They mix a good love story with a lot of explosions and guns so that they can get guys and girls to go watch certain movies. You know, any good love story that doesn't have people dying in it, every guy's like, oh, this is going to be awful. Yes, dear, I will go watch this movie with you, and I will love it for you. And then the woman that gets dragged to the Rambo movie, you know, and she's like, yes, dear, 
I'll go watch people die gruesomely. It'll be amazing. And when I have nightmares later, I will love you more. You know, like, it's important that we, we see it. We see how love gets marketed. You know, it's all about our feelings, right? (laughs) But real love is scarce. You know, real love, you know, is hard to come by. Typically, we're selfish. You know, typically, any time that we give, we want something in return. You know, but Jesus showed us what this looked like by laying down his life. You know, you were never going to see a rabbi in those days wash somebody else's feet. That's just not a thing. You know, and he took off his robe. He humbled himself. He got down on his knees and, and he washed disciples' feet. He said, now go and do this. You know, and yet still today, you know, we get a little bit of Jesus and we think we're high and mighty and we forget where we came from. You know, and I think on some level that Jesus sends us back into the places that we got set free from because we have a story to tell. But it's important that we learn to love Jesus, right? And that we allow that love that he, you know, gave us to help us to learn to love ourselves before we learn to love other people. Because most of us really don't want to love other people. Loving other people, what's it in it for me? You know, like, people are are difficult. People suck. You know, I have trust issues. I don't know about you. A couple, a couple, two, three. You know, but, but Jesus calls me to learn to love people and learn to trust him through the process. You know, so, you know, are we dying to ourselves? Are we, you know, giving sacrificial love, you know, are we being honest, you know, in a time when we, we would re- rather run away? You know, are we willing to give when there's nothing in return? You know, or do we have hidden motives and we get upset when we don't get back what we think we should get when we, when we gave a little bit of our time or gave a little bit of money? You know, and I think that Jesus has this funny way as exposing all these things. You know, and I think that in his love that he exposes things with truth. You know, that we, you know, are learning how to follow him to the best of our ability. You know, we we love, you know, and we want to be loved. But for most of us growing up, we did not see that. We did not have living examples of loving homes, most of us. You know, most of us had really broken homes. You know, and some of you did. You had, you know, your moms and dads are still together. And, you know, and that's a miracle for most of us. You know, most of us, you know, our parents were separated before we could ever even have a memory. You know, and some of us lost a parent along the way. You know, and it it affected everything. You know, that a divorce or, you know, someone passing, it, it affects your life. You know, and how do you bring Jesus into that moment? you know, is really, you know, difficult, you know, that when hardships come, can we see that there's still a loving God up there? It's hard sometimes, you know, that pain has this way of distorting God to us, you know, and it's important that we get back to scriptures 
Because that's how we see God is through Scripture, not through our emotion or our experience or, you know, what we are going through in the moment. You know, that, you know, I see a lot of hardships in the Bible, and yet people still have found this way to trust in Him and believe in Him. You know, and there's a lot of people that ran from Him. You know, when things didn't go their way, they turned to other idols, they turned to other things. You know, they turned to different sins to satisfy themselves. You know, and it's important that we are trying to fall in love with a biblical God. You know, because if we have a, you know, a weird Jesus, you know, anytime that something doesn't go the way we think it should go, you know, then we, we feel like we've been slighted or we've sinned and God doesn't love me now. You know, or different things are going on. But in God's real love, painful things can happen and he can still redeem those things. You know, that, you know, a lot of times, you know, we have to, to hang on to, to him when everything else doesn't make sense. You know, but, or do we look out for number one? You know, there's a meme that goes around, you know, stop crossing oceans when people wouldn't cross mud puddles for you. Right? And everyone's amen, like, share. I disagree with that 100%. Keep crossing oceans for the people that won't cross a mud puddle. You know why? Because Jesus crossed an ocean for each one of us. I will learn more about crossing oceans for people that won't step in a mud puddle for me about Jesus than I ever will saying, screw you. You know, and I'm so grateful that Jesus crosses an ocean for me over and over and over again when I sin. He doesn't say, Tom, I've given you too many chances. You're done. I'm I'm so grateful that's not a biblical Jesus. That his grace continues to show up and be sufficient. His mercy is new every day. Now granted I need to repent and 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 ask him back in and to forgive me. You know, I can't just run and, and do what I want to do. But you know, it's important that we we see that you know loving people is a, an extremely important piece to this puzzle. You know, and we're going to get hurt by that. We're going to get hurt by loving people. Because, you know, people are broken and so are we. You know what I mean? But this is where we allow Jesus into these areas to, to fill these wounds, to fill these these areas in our lives that, you know, we still feel hurt or we still feel broken. That we have to allow Jesus to get in there so that when our trust issues try to spike, that we trust him in the process and that's how we can trust other people. You know, but if this gets out of bounds, if we're always loving and always crossing oceans and we don't have any boundaries, then we get, you know, taken advantage of it and hurt and eventually we shut down completely and we say, no, I'm not helping anyone. See, so once again, you know, we need love, but we need truth. Because I think there is times that, you know, I'll meet someone halfway in my ocean and say, come on, meet me here. I've crossed enough oceans. Now meet me in this, you know, and let's try to figure this out together. You know, so I think that it's important that we have boundaries in this. Because without boundaries, we we do get taken advantage of. And we find that, you know, our love or our giving, our generosity in many different forms is being taken advantage of. And... People in this world, you know, are, are going to 
fully look for people that are take you know that they can take advantage of. So I think that it's important that we have boundaries. It's important that we have truth. That we don't just love without restrictions or without guidance or without truth. So there's a balance. You know, I think in the beginning you love, 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 and then eventually it's like, well, now I can speak truth. You know, and there's a principle that I live by, and it's grace over time gives me the ability to speak truth. You know, I'll give you grace for as long as it takes, and then at some point, when truth needs to be spoken, I'm going to speak it. But my first stance is just grace. Let's, you know, we're going to overlook that, we're going to overlook that, we're going to overlook that, we're going to overlook that. But eventually, Jesus is going to say, here's the time to take the stance on truth, and I'm going to speak truth, but because you've seen that I loved you over and over and over again, that you'll, you may, you may not receive the truth. You know, I don't have, you know, the, you know, ability to know what you're going to receive or not. But I think that it's important that we realize that there's a balance. You know, that, because otherwise we shut the door on truth and we shut the door on love. You know, and, uh, Tim Keller, I think, says it better than I could. You know, truth, or love without truth is sedimentary. You know, it supports and affirms us, but keeps us in denial about our flaws. Truth without love is harshness. It gives us information, but in such a way that we cannot really hear it. God saying love in Christ, however, is marked by both radical truthfulness and love, and about who we are yet to you know, find this radical, unconditional commitment to us. This merciful commitment strengthens us to see truth about ourselves and repent. The conviction and repentance moves us to cling to the rest of God's mercy and grace and his love. You know, that I think that the balance is important, that, you know, we see that Jesus has, you know, truth nailed to one side of the cross and grace kind of nailed to the other, and he holds these things in tension that, you know, if you've ever had somebody speak truth to you without love, you feel the harshness, you feel the criticism, you feel the heaviness, you feel the judgment, but you also had somebody give you grace without truth, you're like, I can manipulate this person all day long. You know, and eventually that person gets worn out, and now they're speaking truth, and you're like, why have you changed? You know, it's because we, we took too much. You know, and it's important that we realize that there's a balance. You know, and we're learning how to have that, that balance in Him. You know, that when we learn, you know, that we need truth and grace. You know, it's important that we, we realize we all fall short. I fall short, you fall short. The people in our lives fall short, you know, and and when we really, we see that, it's easier for us to come back to Jesus and say, forgive me. And it's easier for me to, to come back to Jesus and say, help me to forgive them. Because I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. They're not perfect. You know, however, there are certain times that we have to set boundaries and, it, and it's hard sometimes, especially if it's someone that we love. You know, and... Boundaries doesn't mean that I'm going to get what I want either. You know, and sometimes we we hope and we wish that, you know, that people change, but sometimes they don't. 
you know, and we love them anyway. You know, and it's hard sometimes. You know, and we, we learn to love because he first loved us. We learn to, to speak truth because we see how Jesus spoke truth. You know, and we, we learn to live this life with truth and love. You know, and we have to be careful, you know, that people try to take advantage of us or people try to deceive us. You know, and that's the message that John's really trying to say is be careful of the deceivers. You know, they try to take advantage of you. You know, and truth and love is, is vital for us as Christians. You know, because we see that in Christ and, you know, without it, we can't walk in Christ and we can't walk with Christ. You know, Second John is a, you know, a brief letter to this chosen lady, you know, a dear friend. You know, but it's no different for us today. You know, John says to, for us to live in truth and love, we must obey God. You know, and if we're not obeying God, you know, that one of these things is out of bounds. One of these things is not being put into a trite perspective. You know, so I just encourage you, you know, that, you know, we all have to work on these things. You know, some of us have to work on our love language. Some of us have to work on speaking truth. You know, and, and typically we lean one way or the other. Some of you are easy to love and not good with the truth, and some of us are good with the truth and not good with love. You know, and it's important that we we develop this relationship with Jesus to help us to develop that other side. You know, and some of us need to develop both sides. You know, we're not good with truth or love. We're good at just running. You know, anytime that things don't go our way, see ya. You know, and it's through Jesus that we we first find this foundation that we can hang on to and, and stand on. And he begins to develop these areas of our character and, you know, and gives us this ability to live in a way that's Christ-like. <coughs> you know, so we all fall short. You know, this world falls short. People fall short. You know, and, you know, it's important that we have this relationship with Jesus, that through prayer, you know, that we're able to develop the other side of this, or to develop Christ-like character that we're able to, to live life in truth and love, you know, and beware of people that are trying to take advantage of us and are trying to lead us astray. Would you just bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for all that you're doing. I thank you that you continue to, to heal us and guide us and challenge us. Lord, I pray that you'd come into our hearts right now, Lord, and these seeds would would take root. Lord, each one of us needs to grow in, in these areas, Lord, including myself. Lord, life sometimes is, is hard and, and we want to retreat. But I, I pray, Lord, that, that we can hang on to your love, that you teach us that through your love, through your grace, that we find what we need to, to get through the day to day. Lord, and, and through your truth, we learn to, to carve out a life, Lord, that, that leads us from error, that leads us from, you know, things that would deceive us, Lord. And, and I just pray, Lord, that you would help each one of us right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.